Every night, we ate tea at six o'clock, and Brian would be in the lounge room telling us stuff. We'd eat in the dining room, and Dad's seat was the only one facing the telly. Yeah, smart man. So he watched, and we listened. We could hear Brian, but we couldn't see him. Mum would try to start a conversation. So what was school like today? Are there any nice girls in your class? Dad would just sit there with one eye on the telly and one eye on us. He was convinced none of his sons could eat properly. Look at them, Joyce, he'd say. They can't eat properly. Then he'd turn into the telly. Bloody hell, Pat Cash won Wimbledon. Occasionally, Dad would be like Daryl Kerrigan in the castle. These shops are beautiful, Joyce. I wonder what the poor people are doing tonight. Except he would be more angry than funny. Like a lot of 1970s dads, he'd fought in a war, worked in a tough job, and just wanted a quiet family life. Good luck with four teenage boys, Kev. And he did love mum's cooking. In fact, the story went that the first time he went home to meet mum's parents, he was hooked by Nana's cooking. The other story was that mum's dad, Herbert, didn't want to let Kev in the house because he was in uniform. Herb was a wharfie and detested authority of any type, even a young bloke from the RAAF. I'm not saying wharfies are dodgy, but every time he went to Nana and Grandad's, Herb would pull me aside and show me his work bag, which was always chock full of hot stuff. You want some whiskey, cigarettes, lady stockings? Grandad, I'm ten, I'd reply. So just a stocking, thanks? Dad's one rule about cooking was no chicken. You see, Dad had served in the Vietnam War and eaten chicken every single day on his Air Force base, and it was bad chicken. When he came back, he just said, no chicken, Joyce. When Mark was 16, he got a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken just to defy Dad. Back then, it wasn't known as KFC. Colonel Sanders wasn't scared of the F word. In fact, he was proud that his product was deep fried. Every Friday night, Mark would get home at about 11pm and stand in the doorway of our bedroom with a bucket of the Colonel's finest under his arm. Glenn and I would look up to see the crazed face of an adolescent who had consumed too much Pepsi, MSG, grease, fat, and those famous herbs and spices. Do you babies want some chicken? Mark would ask. Yes, yes. Then beg for it. Please, please give us some chicken, Mark. By now we were sitting up like meerkats. And then he would throw the chicken at us. We would catch it, well, most of the time, and eat it under our dunas. And if you'd never really had chicken before, can you imagine the taste of cold KFC? It was heaven on a stick. Okay, a drumstick. We'd be making plenty of noise and Dad hated being woken up. So pretty soon he would come running into our room swinging his belt around. This was made even more disturbing by the fact he slept in a singlet only. So he'd be trying to cover up his giblets while swinging this leather belt around his head like a helicopter. You kids aren't eating bloody chicken in my house, he would yell as he gave us a strap while we trying to hide our dunas and save our precious chicken. Not a disturbing memory at all. I see a psychiatrist once a week, so it sometimes comes up. So we were eating dinner, and it was definitely not chicken. We were engrossed in some conversation like which was the best band, Kiss or Abba, the best ice block, Glug or Raz, the best car, Ford or Holden, the best smorgasbord restaurant, Denny's or The Keg. But all talk ceased when we heard Brian say, Two boys were arrested today in suburban Melbourne for making homemade bombs. You could have heard a pin drop as Brian continued. They made the explosive devices using household objects, a combination of common brake fluid and pool chlorine. I put down my knife and fork. Can I be excused from the table, please? Drago had seen the same news story and had bomb fever too, so his suggestion that we make our own bombs was enthusiastically embraced. We rode our bikes back to Dad's shed and requisitioned what we needed. We wanted this bomb to be really good. 
The explosion relied on the chemical reaction that would take place when the brake fluid came into contact with the chlorine, so we had to work out a way to keep them apart until the very last minute. First, we put the brake fluid into a test tube and sealed it up. Then, we filled an old oil container with the chlorine and put the sealed test tube into it. The idea was that we'd throw the container, the test tube would smash, and whammo! Our science teacher would have been so proud and probably horrified. This all sounds so dangerous now, but my generation grew up with explosive. Doesn't anyone remember Cracker Night, also known as Guy Fawkes Night? Try explaining that to a child of today. Child, so you bought the fireworks illegally somehow? Dad, no, we got them at the milk bar. Child, and you let them off when no one was around? Dad, no, the whole community got together in a paddock. Child, and then you let the fireworks off? Dad.